You know, I'm excited uh, this morning. Let's, let's move into our, our second week of studying the beginning of all things. In the book of Genesis last week, we looked specifically, we kind of took a broad stroke view of, of what Genesis 1-1 tells us and how the whole story of the whole Bible really is, is built on the foundation of what's in Genesis 1-1, that God is eternal right? That he existed before creation and then acting as the creator, he created everything that we know and see and everything that has ever been created from absolutely nothing. And we talked about how that sets God apart from every other thing that we know because he is the creator of all things and God is the only one who can create something out of nothing. We can't do that. The universe, the creation cannot do that. God is the only one who can create all things out of nothing. And when he created everything, everything was created new. And in the end, after sin is defeated, after death is defeated, when we get to the end in Revelation, we see that he will make all things new again. And he will make all things new in the end as he made them new in the beginning. Isn't that a glorious hope? <laughs> Isn't that a glorious thought? And so Genesis 1-1 is the beginning of the full circle plan of God. It started new and perfect from the beginning, and in the end, he will bring all things back to its original creation state. And so... I want us to look, begin looking this morning a little deeper into the chapter. We're going to go a few verses more and look at how God has told the story of creation. Now, we know and understand that, that Genesis, we believe that, that in, in human hands that Moses penned the book of Genesis. But we know that it's God's word. We know that God gave Moses the Holy Spirit inspiration to pen the words, to write exactly what he wanted written to give an account of creation. So by the way, you, you do have in mind, I hope, that God was the only one around when this happened. Right? We're not talking about um, the, the rest of uh, written scripture, history of scripture, in the fact that there were people who saw things and there were multiple eyewitnesses to things and they were written in scripture. When it comes to this, this is historical history that's been written by God in his word. He's the only one we have to go to. Because guess who was the only one around when it happened? Right? This is, this is where sometimes people get caught up in the controversy of trying to reconcile biblical history with science. Now, that is a discussion that we could have for a year um, or more. Um, and I, I still don't know that I'm quite smart enough, even biblically in one sense, but also like scientifically to be able to explain all of those things to you guys. But this is, what I, this is how I want us to approach the way we study 
Genesis. We believe that God is real, right? We believe that God is real, that he exists. When Genesis said, in the beginning, God, that that established that God existed and that he was real. We do believe that God created all things, right? Genesis 1.1, he is creator of all things. He is real, he was present. In the beginning, God created, so he is the creator of all things. So if God is the creator of all things that have ever been created, that includes communication, right? The ability to communicate, the means to communicate, the different modes of communication. If God created all things, communication is a creation of God. So is there any reason for us to analyze and pick apart and scrutinize the way God has created and communicated his account of creation when he is the creator of communication. Is there any reason for us to do that? No, I don't think so. That's, that's like me at this point uh, trying to tell my Hebrew professor how to teach Hebrew when I don't know Hebrew. Like, I, I, I can't... I, I, we can't scrutinize that. So the best way to understand creation is by the testimony of the one who created it. And that's what we have in Genesis. Okay. Now, I, I'm not saying don't, don't ever look at what science has to say about it and try to see how those things line up. That's fine. That's okay. But when it comes down to it, we believe the testimony of the one who made it. And what you believe about God greatly determines the way you approach the account of creation. Because if you believe that, that God is incapable of communicating properly and accurately to us his account of creation, then we've got a messed up picture of God. God doesn't need us to come along behind him and say, well, God, there was a better way for you to say that. Or God, you know, this would have been much better if you had said it this way or if you had explained it this way. We're not in the position to be able to do that, are we? Okay, so we're going to read his testimony because his is the most credible because he was the only one around when it happened, right? So Genesis chapter 1, let's start again in verse 1, and I want us to read through verse 5 this morning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. There was an evening and there was a morning one day. Now, as we said last week, there are lots of perspectives and opinions about how God did what he has said he did. But the only place for us to begin as his people, the only place for us to start is with God's word. Because we believe he is creator and has the best account of what really happened. He's the only eyewitness. He's given scripture as his revelation to us. 
And so we're not really in a position, though the world thinks they are in the position, we are not in the position to hold any account of creation under our authority. We, we, we really don't have any place to be able to look at God's creation story and stand in scrutiny over it. Because when we take authority over his word, then we take his authority away from him. We take glory away from God when we question the reliability of his story. Amen? So we're going so to take, if for this time, we're going to take what he says and we're going to pick it apart. We're going to say, well, what does he say? And then we're going to believe what he says he did. Because there's nobody else that's more credible than he is. Genesis verse 2, Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So we said in Genesis 1-1 that God created all things from nothing. So first, there was nothing. That's before verse 1. Then there was the universe... And part of that universe was the earth. That's in, part, that's in verse 1. So before verse 1, there was nothing. In verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we know that heavens encompasses all of the heavens, basically the entire known universe and the unknown universe, what he has created. And then as part of that universe, Moses specifically mentions earth because that is where we are. And so you say, well, what is the very first thing, if God is giving his account of how he created the earth, what's the very first thing that he says about it? What's the first description of this world that God has created? Well, in verse 2, he says it was formless and empty and dark. Now, that word, that Hebrew word for, for formless can, can mean lots of different things. It, it means confusion. It means empty, chaos. And in some cases, it can mean unreality. So God created, we said that in the beginning, God created time and space and matter, all of the essential elements of the universe, we said. And so now we see that God's first creation of earth is not the earth that we see now. The first thing he did was create the earth, but, but the first state of the earth was this formless, empty, void, chaotic mass of matter. And that seems kind of strange. Matthew Henry, in his commentary, he calls this depiction of the earth in verse 2 the first matter and the first mover. So this is a picture, as God is describing how he's created all things, this is a picture of the earth with no structure, no form, no anything. It's there. It's, like this, it's almost like this blob of matter that he's created. And there's nothing to it other than that at this point. 
And so in the, in the void of form and order, it says that while this was the first state of the earth, it says that the Spirit of God hovered over it, right? The Spirit of God was present. God was sovereign and present and actively moving over his creation. I want to show you a verse in Deuteronomy 32, verse 11. It says this. This is, this is a song that Moses sang over the people as, as right before that transition of leadership went from him to Joshua. And Moses said, he watches over his nest like an eagle and hovers over his young. He spreads his wings, catches him, and carries him on his feathers. The same Hebrew word that Moses uses here for hovers over his young is the same word in Genesis 1-2 that describes the way God's spirit was present over the formless, chaotic matter that would become earth as we know it. So verse 2, one commentator says, is like the not yet form of the world. It's the very first state of all things. Um, I borrowed another thing from my kids today. Um, we're, my kids used to really love Lego, and now we still love Lego in our house, but we have a different, and this is a set that I borrowed from Ben. It's a, it's a little more adult, uh, Star Wars nerdy Lego set. But how many of you have had Legos in your house, played with them with your kids, you know, all those things? I hope so. They're like one of the greatest things ever made for kids to play with. Um, but again, when you, you have a new, brand new set of Legos, and you, and you take them out of the box, This is what you get. <laughs> this is what you get when you take it out of the box. And so you have to... There's that. Does that look anything like this? No. Can you imagine somebody buying this off the shelf and then getting it home and opening it and this is what you get? Well, of course, part of the purpose for this, the purpose is not for it to look like this out of the box, right? The purpose is for you to do what God created you to be able to do in his image is to take something and praise the Lord that's got instructions, right? Bit by bit tells you how to take each piece and put it together. And so I don't know how many of these sets I have stood over in my life. And here is a random collection of pieces, what may look random. Boy, and some of them are tiny. Some of them are really small, and they'll get lost in the carpet, you know, if you're not careful. And some of them are way bigger. And each one have a particular number of, of studs on them. Like these are two square 
khaki colored pieces, but these are very different. You can't use these interchangeably. This one has a particular place. This one has a particular place. And if you mess them up or put them in the wrong place, then the whole thing's going to not be right. Formless chaos is what we start with. But when you take all of the pieces out of the box and constantly as you're putting it together, you're looking at what you know it's going to end up being. This is kind of the way my brain works when I read Genesis 1-2. The formless void of the earth was almost like a big mob of clay that the sculptor and the potter will throw on its potter's wheel for the very first time. Have you ever seen a a potter throw a a lob of clay on a wheel? You see how they do it? They kind of lift it up and go, splat. And it just lands on the wheel, and it's just a big blob of clay. And you think, how in the world is this going to be anything? And then the wheel starts to spin, and the potter's hands get wet. And he begins to mold it and shape it. What we read in Genesis 1-1, in Genesis 1-2, was the state of the earth like this. It was just there, created with intent. Not not random creation. It's not that God just threw it out there and had no idea what he was going to do with it or what it was going to look like. He knew exactly where each molecule in that mass of matter would go. He knew exactly what it would become, exactly what it would be formed into, but as it started, that was its form. It had no form. This is the not yet state of the world. Waiting for the mind of God and the creative hands of God to be put to it, to form it into the world as we know it. And so we see God beginning this process of of speaking it into form in verse 3 and 4. Look at what it says. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Those first three words in verse 3 are so important. Then God said. It was the beginning of the move of God over the matter that he had created. And his authority and his power are in his words. God doesn't even have to open the box. God doesn't even have to get his hands in the mess to make anything of it. All God has to do is speak. All God has to do is say the word because he has such authority over what he has created. That's all he has to do to make things happen. He speaks and the first light is created. He speaks and light is created. Now that... Now, this, this should blow our minds. If you just sit in that moment for a minute, dark, void, emptiness, God opens his mouth 
and light comes into existence. That is who we worship. (laughs) This is not a small God. This is not a little God that we can stick in our pocket and just pull him out when we need him to do something that we need done. And then when, it, when, then when life is good, we can stick him back in our pocket. He is sovereign. He rules and reigns and has all power and authority over everything. And so when he speaks, things happen. And here's a point I, wanna, I want you to camp out on this morning. God's first move in creation was dispelling darkness with light. Like, when we think about God God created the earth in its not yet form. And you begin to look at a pile of bricks like this. And were it not for this, I would look at this big pile of bricks and have no idea what should be the two first pieces that go together. There's no way for me to know. Unless I, unless I have the book. God had the formless mass, but he knew what the picture was going to look like at the end. And he knew that the very first thing, the very first move that had to be made was the creation of light. And that light had to come first. And that light had to be separated from darkness, and that's what happens in verse 3. Now, if you notice as we go forward, this is not the creation of the sun or the moon because that's going to happen in verse 14. God doesn't give an account of the creation of the sun and moon until the fourth day. And you say, well, what is this then? Where does the light come from? Let's stop and think for a minute. The light and the sun are not the same thing. Okay? One is the bearer of the other. One is the giver of the other. So we make a mistake when we think that light comes from the sun. Not according to Genesis. The sun gives light, it produces light, it bears light over the world, and we'll see that and the purpose of that when we get later on in creation. But before God created the sun, he created light. They're not the same thing. The flashlight, the lantern, the candle that you have in your house Like those are givers of light. Those are bearers of light. They are not light in themselves. But they're made and put together so that light comes out of them. But God was the one who created light to begin with. I I think of it this way too. Sometimes in talking to kids, I'll blow their minds and say, as the creator, we look around us and we see creation. You realize that God had to create color before he created the things that we see in the world. Like when he created 
the vegetation and the grass and the trees. God had to create the color green first. Before, before he separated the water from, from the sky and painted the sky blue, he had to create the color blue. You see, that it, there, the light doesn't come from the things that he created. Light was the first thing that he made. And you say, where does that light come from? That light existed before the sun existed, before the moon existed. So where did it come from? It came from him. The light created in Genesis 3 and 4 comes from the glory of God. It's a light that comes from him. He created all things from himself and he created light. It's the natural created manifestation of the glory of God. The glory of God was always there. It was always present in him because he was always present, because he was eternal. So he's always been glorious. But in that moment, he decided to create a manifestation of his glory and he did it when he said, let there be light. And the light that God creates is the source of every other thing that makes light. A candle wouldn't make light unless God had created it beforehand. Light is different from the things that we know that give light. It's a manifestation of his glory. Here's some thoughts that I thought of the way we relate to light and the way God created light. Light reveals what is hidden, right? When you can't find something, you use a light because it helps you see the things that you can't see. God, in his glory, we would never be able to see the glory of God unless he revealed it to us, right? He had to show himself glorious. He had to create light so that we could see his glory. Light eliminates and overpowers darkness. All you have to do to break through total darkness in any space is to create just a pinhole of light. It doesn't matter how small it is, it always penetrates darkness. There's no darkness that can be so dark that it covers up light. That's who God is. Nothing of darkness can exist in God's presence Nothing of darkness can exist in him or around him or near him because he is the source. His glory is the source of light. And light displays what God has made. It allows us to see the works around us. It's like when you're driving somewhere at night. You know, when it's like you're, you're driving on a road trip and, and you drive there at night and you can't see anything. But then maybe during the day, or if you're doing one of those early morning drives and you can see the light of the sun come up over the mountains and then all of a sudden you can see the landscape, you can see the mountains and that makes that drive so much better because you can see everything that God's made. It allows the works of God to be seen. His light, the light of his glory lets us see who he is and how great he is. And it says that God separated the light from the darkness because light and dark can't exist in the same place, right? 
that's physically true, but that's also spiritually true. If we go back to John chapter 1, which we looked at last week, John's prologue. Look at what it says in verses 3 through 5. We read verse 3 last week. All things were created through him, talking about Jesus, and apart from him not one thing was created that has been created. Verse 4, in him was life, and that life was what? The light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. This is the picture of Jesus. The glory of God in Christ was so bright that there's no darkness that could ever overcome it. And then Revelation chapter 21, I love, again, going to the picture of our hope in eternity. Revelation 21 verses 23 and 24. I love this picture of, of like new earth because this is after John sees the new heaven and the new earth. He says, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because what? The glory of God illuminates it. And its lamp is the lamb. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. You know, in the created, the new created new heaven and new earth, we won't need a sun. We won't need a moon to light the world to be able to see because the glory of God itself will be the light over creation. The creation of light was the first of all God made that was good. Verse 4 says, he created, he said, let there be light and there was light and God saw that the light was good. Why was the light good? Why was anything that God made through Genesis 1 that he declared to be good? Why was it good? Was it good the same way we, we say things are good? Like when we do something, we, we do a school assignment, or we write a paper, or we build a project, or we put together something, or we... Do whatever, whatever our hands, our minds make, and we look back at it and we go, man, that's good. We do it sort of as, as in, in pride to say, man, look what I made. Look what I did. Isn't that awesome? Do you think that's what's going on here when God created light? He released his glory in the form of light, separated it from all darkness. And looked back at it and went, man, that's really good. Look at me. I don't think so. I think that God saw that it was good because he knew it was good for us. See, God doesn't, God doesn't need anything. To say that, that he did it, it was good to make him happy would imply that that God isn't fully content in himself. He doesn't need any sort of experience or thing to satisfy himself. He is, he is completely satisfied in himself. There's nothing that he needs to be happy like we do. Like we tend to relate to things and circumstances to be happy. God is not like that. 
We read over Christmas, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 that says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. When God said, it's good, it's not because he needed it to be good for him. It's because he intentionally made it to be good for us. Because we were in mind already. Even with this formless void of the earth. He had you and I in mind. See, we'll continue to see as we read that God was talking about what he made as he gives it order and structure and purpose. He calls everything good that was made for us. So here's the the last point. God knows what is good for us and moves to provide it. Even from the very beginning... The first thing that God opened his mouth and created was light. And that's the very first thing that when he made it, he said, this is good. I want you to think about your own life. I want you to think about the gospel this morning. I want in every way to get you to try to relate the gospel to the story of creation because I feel like the gospel is all through it. So this is how I think we can put that together. Our spiritual lives began like Genesis 1-2 says the world began. Created, but empty. Created, but, but formless. Void. Not so much our physical, our physical bodies... But our spiritual life, Scripture says that we were dead in our sins. We were void of anything good spiritually. We were in opposition to God. Our spiritual lives are chaotic. (laughs) All over the place with no structure, no form, no, no life in us spiritually. But God was hovering over us, right? God was present. And so created by him, but yet not not perfect in design, we were in our not yet state spiritually. And this is the thing, folks. Had God not moved over our lives... We would stay that way. Without the move of God, there was nothing in us, no power in us, to create any kind of spiritual life any more than the earth had any power or ability on its own to create any life in that formless void and emptiness. My life spiritually was formless and void and empty until God's spirit came over it. And there was one day in the, in the formless void and emptiness of my heart and my spiritual life that God's spirit moved over it and said, let there be light. And then all of a sudden, 
Lightness, light is separated from darkness. Our eyes are open. We can see he, he regenerated us. Because darkness can't create its own light. And there's no light in me until God brings it to light. So the moment I believed, the moment I surrendered my life to Christ was, was like the moment that he spoke over the earth and said, let there be light. He illuminated me to life in him. And the light of Christ separated me from spiritual darkness. As God created the light and separated it from the darkness, now with the light in us, we are now separated from the darkness that we were once a part of. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Look at what John writes in his epistle. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is what? Light. And there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The only way I could be cleansed of my sin and forgiven is for God to speak his light into my soul, to speak his light into my life. The first day of creation was the separation of light and darkness. And the first day of my life was when Jesus separated my life from the darkness by speaking light into me. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession." So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He says in verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you were nothing, you were void, you were empty, but now you have life. Now you belong to him. Why? Because he moved you. He called you out of darkness, out of the void, out of the emptiness, into his marvelous, marvelous light. So God spoke, opened his mouth, and light came into existence. Not, not the light that comes from the sun, not the light that comes from the moon, not the light that comes from the flashlight on your iPhone. The light of the glory, the Shekinah glory of God came into existence. And God saw that light and he said it was good. Because not only would that light be the source of all other physical light that would be created in the natural, natural world, that life was the light that would be the light of men that would be Christ that would come into the world to save us. That light 
would be the light that would come into my darkness and your darkness and call us out of it into the light of his glory so that we could see him for who he is, that we could live in his glory, that we could have a relationship with him. So the light was good and the gospel is good. And the light that comes from the gospel is good. God brings the light of his gospel into our lives for our good. And so if for some reason, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, today, and if you have trusted Christ, if you, if you remember and you go back to that day that you did trust, maybe it was a long time ago, maybe it's never happened, maybe it could be today, but that day you trust Christ is day one. It's the day that God comes in over your life and says, let there be light. And God's the only one that brings that light. 